0: chapter five part three of the pit this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain in the end laura borrowed page's hat and jadwin took her away in the light of the street lamps mrs Cressler and the others watched them drive off sitting side by side behind the fine horses jadwin broad-shouldered a fresh cigar in his teeth each rein in a double turn about his large hard hands laura slim erect pale her black thick hair throwing a tragic shadow low upon her forehead but looking couple commented mr cressler as they disappeared the hoofbeats died away the team vanished landry Court, who stood behind the others watching turned to mrs cressler she thought she detected a little unsteadiness in his voice but he repeated bravely yes yes that's right they are a fine a a, a fine-looking couple together aren't they a a fine-looking couple to say the least a week went by then two and soon may had passed on the fifteenth of that month laura's engagement to curtis jadwin was formally announced the day of the wedding was set for the first week in june during this time Laura was never more changeable, more puzzling. Her vivacity seemed suddenly to have been troubled, but it was invaded frequently by strange reactions and perversities that drove her friends and family to distraction. About a week after her talk with Mrs. Cressler, Laura broke the news to Page. It was a Monday morning. She had spent the time since breakfast in putting her bureau drawers to rights, scattering sachet powders in them, then leaving them open so as to perfume the room. At last she came into the front upstairs sitting room, a heap of gloves, stockings, collerettes, the odds and ends of a wildly disordered wardrobe, in her lap. She tumbled all these upon the hearth-rug and sat down upon the floor to sort them carefully. At her little desk nearby, Page in a blue and white shirt-waist and golf skirt, her slim little ankles demurely crossed, a cone of foolscap over her forearm to guard against ink spots, was writing in her journal. This was an interminable affair, voluminous, complex, that the young girl had kept ever since she was fifteen. She wrote in it, she hardly knew what the small doings of the previous day her comings and goings accounts of dances estimates of new acquaintances but besides this she filled page after page with impressions outpourings queer little speculations about her soul quotations from poets solemn criticisms of new novels or as often as not mere purposeless meandering of words exclamatory rhapsodic involved lucibrations quite meaningless and futile but which at times she reread with vague thrills of emotion and mystery on this occasion page wrote rapidly and steadily for a few moments after laura's entrance into the room then she paused her eyes growing wide and thoughtful she wrote another line and paused again seated on the floor her hands full of gloves laura was murmuring to herself these are good and those and the black suedes make eight and if i could only find the mate to this white one ah here it is that makes nine nine pair she put the gloves aside and turning to the stockings drew one of the silk ones over her arm and spread out her fingers in the foot oh dear she whispered there's a thread started it and now it will simply run the whole length Page's scratching paused again. "'Laura,' she asked dreamily, "'Laura, how do you spell abysmal?' "'With a Y, honey,' answered Laura, careful not to smile. "'Oh, Laura,' asked Page, "'do you ever get very, very sad without knowing why?' "'No, indeed,' answered her sister, as she peeled the stocking from her arm. "'When I'm sad, I know just the reason, you may be sure.' Page sighed again. Oh, i don't know she murmured indefinitely i lie awake at night sometimes and wish i were dead you mustn't get morbid honey answered her older sister calmly it isn't natural for a young healthy little body like you to have such gloomy notions last night continued paige i got up out of bed and sat by the window a long time And everything was so still and beautiful and the moonlight and all. And I said right out loud to myself, My breath to heaven in vapor goes. You know those lines from Tennyson. My breath to heaven in vapor goes. May my soul follow soon. I said it right out loud just like that. And it was just as though something in me had spoken. I got my journal and wrote it down yet in a few days and thee the all-beholding sun shall see no more it's from thanatopsis you know and i thought how beautiful it would be to leave all this world and soar and soar right up to the higher plains and be at peace laura dearest do you think i ever ought to marry why not girlie why shouldn't you marry of course you'll marry some day if you find i should like to be a nun page interrupted shaking her head mournfully "'If you find the man who loves you,' continued Laura, "'and whom you, you admire and respect, whom you love, "'what would you say, honey, if if your sister, if I, "'should be married some of these days?' "'Page wheeled about in her chair. "'Oh, Laura, tell me,' she cried. "'Are you joking? Are you going to be married? "'Who to? I haven't an idea, but I thought I suspected.' "'Well,' "'observed Laura slowly. "'I might as well tell you. "'Someone will if I don't. "'Mr. Jadwin wants me to marry him. "'And then what did you say? "'What did you say? "'Oh, oh, I'll never tell. "'Oh, Laura, tell me about it. "'Well, why shouldn't I marry him? "'Yes, I promised. "'I said yes. "'Why shouldn't I? "'He loves me and he is rich. "'Isn't that enough? "Oh, "'Oh, no, it isn't. "'You must love. "'You do love him. "'I love poop cried laura indeed not i love nobody oh laura protested page earnestly "don't, don't talk that way you mustn't it's wicked laura put her head in the air i wouldn't give any man that much satisfaction i think that is the way it ought to be a man ought to love a woman more than she loves him it ought to be enough for him if she lets him give her everything she wants in the world he ought to serve her like the old knights give up his whole life to satisfy some whim of hers and it's her part if she likes to be cold and distant that's my idea of love yes but they weren't cold and proud to their knights after they'd promised to marry them urged page they loved them in the end and married them for love oh love mocked laura i don't believe in love you only get your ideas of it from trashy novels and matinees girl eh cried laura i am going to have the most beautiful gowns they're the last things that miss dearborn shall buy for herself and she fetched a long breath i tell you they are going to be creations When at length the lunch bell rang, Laura jumped to her feet, adjusting her coiffure with thrusts of her long white hands, the fingers extended, and ran from the room, exclaiming that the whole morning had gone and that half of her bureau drawers were still in disarray. Page, left alone, sat for a long time lost in thought, sighing deeply at intervals, when at last she wrote in her journal, a world without love oh what an awful thing that would be oh love is so beautiful so beautiful and it makes me sad when i think of love in all its beauty i am sad sad like romola in george Eliot's well-known novel of the same name she locked up her journal in the desk drawer and wiped her pen-point until it shone upon a little square of chamois skin her writing desk was a miracle of neatness. Everything in its precise place: the writing paper in geometrical parallelograms, the pen tray neatly polished. On the hearth rug, where Laura had sat, Page's searching eye discovered traces of her occupancy: a glove button, a white thread, a hairpin. Page was at great pains to gather them up carefully and drop them into the waste basket. Laura is so flyaway she observed soberly. When Laura told the news to Aunt Wess, the little old lady showed no surprise. I expecting it of late, she remarked. Well, Laura, Mr Jadwin is a man of parts, though to tell the truth, I thought at first it was to be that Mr Corthell. He always seemed so distinguished looking and elegant. I suppose now that young Mr Court will have a regular conniption fit. Oh, landry murmured laura where are you going to live laura here oh my word child don't be afraid to tell me i must pack why bless you no no exclaimed laura energetically you are to stay right here we'll talk it all over just as soon as i know more decidedly what our plans are to be no we won't live here mr jadwin is going to buy a new house on the corner of north avenue and state street it faces lincoln park you know it-the farnsworth place why by word laura cried aunt west amazed why it's a palace of course i know it why it takes in the whole block child and there's a conservatory pretty near as big as this house well yes i know answered laura shaking her head It takes my breath away sometimes. Mr. Jadwin tells me there's an art gallery, too, with an organ in it, a full-sized church organ. Think of it. Isn't it beautiful? Beautiful! Isn't it a happiness? And I'll have my own carriage and coupe and, oh, Aunt Wes, a saddle horse if I want to, and a box at the Opera and a country place. That is to be bought day after tomorrow. It's at Geneva Lake we're to go there after we are married and mr jadwin has bought the dearest loveliest daintiest little steam yacht he showed the photograph of her yesterday oh honey honey it all comes over me sometimes think only a year ago less than that i was vegetating there at barrington among those wretched old blue noses <laughs> helping martha with the preserves and all and all and now She threw her arms wide. I'm just going to live. Think of it, that beautiful house and servants and carriages and paintings and, oh, honey, how I will dress the part. I wouldn't think of those things so much, Laura, answered Aunt Wes rather seriously. Child, you're not marrying him for carriages and organs and saddle horses and such. You're marrying this Mr. Jadwin because you love him, aren't you? oh cried laura i would marry a ragamuffin if he gave me all those things gave them to me because he loved me aunt west stared i wouldn't talk that way laura she remarked even in fun at least not before page that same evening jadwin came to dinner with the two sisters and their aunt The usual evening drive with Laura was foregone for this occasion. Jadwin had stayed very late at his office, and from there was to come direct to the Dearborns. Besides that, Nip—the trotters were named Nip and Tuck—was lame. As early as four o'clock in the afternoon, Laura, suddenly moved by an unreasoning caprice, began to prepare an elaborate toilet. Not since the opera night had she given so much attention to her appearance— she sent out for an extraordinary quantity of flowers flowers for the table flowers for page and aunt wess great american beauties for her corsage and a huge bunch of violets for the bowl in the library she insisted that page should wear her smartest frock and mrs wessels her grenadine of great occasions as for herself she decided upon a dinner gown a black decollete with sleeves of lace. Her hair was dressed higher than ever. She resolved upon wearing all her jewelry, and to that end put on all her rings, secured the roses in place with an amethyst brooch, caught up the little locks at the back of her head with a heart-shaped pin of tiny diamonds, and even fastened the ribbon of satin that girdled her waist with a clasp of flawed turquoises. "'Until five in the afternoon she was in the gayest spirits "'and went down to the dining-room to supervise the setting of the table, "'singing to herself. "'Then, almost at the very last, "'when Jadwin might be expected at any moment, "'her humour changed again, "'and again for no discoverable reason. "'Page, who came into her sister's room after dressing to ask how she looked, "'found her harassed and out of sorts.' She was moody, spoke in monosyllables, and suddenly declared that the worrying anxiety of housekeeping was driving her to distraction. Of all days in the week, why had Jadwin chosen this particular one to come to dinner? Men had no sense, could not appreciate a woman's difficulties. Oh, she would be glad when the evening was over. Then, as an ultimate disaster, she declared that she herself looked... Dutchy. There was no style, no smartness to her dress. Her hair was arranged unbecomingly. She was growing thin, peaked. In a word, she looked Dutchy. All at once, she flung off her roses and dropped into a chair. I will not go down tonight, she cried. You and Aunt West must make out to receive Mr. Jadwin. I simply will not see anyone tonight, Mr. Jadwin least of all. Tell him I've gone to bed sick. "'Which is the truth? I am going to bed my head is splitting.' "'All persuasion and treaty or cajolery availed nothing. "'Neither Page nor Aunt Wes could shake her decision. "'At last Page hazarded a remonstrance to the effect "'that if she had known that Laura was not going to be at dinner, "'she would not have taken such pains with her own toilet. "'Promptly thereat, Laura lost her temper. "'I do declare, Paige.' "'She exclaimed. "'It seems to me that I get very little thanks "'for ever taking any interest in your personal appearance. "'There is not a girl in Chicago. "'No millionaire's daughter has any prettier gowns than you. "'I plan and plan and go to the most expensive dressmaker "'so that you will be well-dressed, "'and just as soon as I dare to express the desire "'to see you appear like a gentlewoman, "'I get it thrown in my face. "'And why do I do it? "'I'm sure I don't know. "'It's because I'm a poor, weak, foolish, indulgent sister.' i've given up the idea of ever being loved by you but i do insist on being respected laura rose stately severe it was the grand manner now unequivocal unmistakably i do insist upon being respected she repeated it would be wrong and wicked of me to allow you to ignore and neglect my every wish i'll not have it i'll not tolerate it page aroused indignant disdained an answer but drew in her breath and held it hard her lips tight pressed it's all very well for you to pose miss Laura, went on to pose as injured innocence but you understand very well what i mean if you don't love me at least i shall not allow you to flout me deliberately defiantly and it does seem strange She added, her voice beginning to break, that when we two are all alone in the world, when there's no father or mother, and you are all I have, and when I love you as I do, that there might be on your part a little consideration, when I only want to be loved for my own sake, and not, and not, when I want to be oh, loved, loved, loved. The two sisters were in each other's arms by now, and Page was crying no less than Laura. "'Oh, little sister!' exclaimed Laura. "'I know you love me. I know you do. I didn't mean to say that. "'You must forgive me and be very kind to me these days. "'I know I'm cross, but sometimes these days I'm so excited and nervous I can't help it, "'and you must try to bear with me. "'Hark! There's the bell!' Listening, they heard the servant open the door, and then the sound of Jadwin's voice and the clank of his cane in the porcelain cane-rack. But still Laura could not be persuaded to go down. No, she was going to bed. She had neuralgia. She was too nervous uh, to so much as think. Her gown was dutchy. And in the end, so unshakable was her resolve that Page and her aunt had to sit through the dinner with Jadwin and entertain him as best they could. End of chapter 5, part 3.